Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe and welcome to our third uh, book club where we read Operation Trojan Horse by John Keel. Um, and uh, before we get started, I want to say hi to everybody that's in the live. And I want to say thank you for joining us. And I see a lot of like people that I've seen before. So thank you for your support. And if you're listening to this audio on Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you so much for that as well. And if you're watching later, thank you as well. And hit that like and subscribe if you want to show some support. And in the link, there's other ways to show all these lovely people support as well. All right. So we read Operation Trojan Horse. Everybody in the chat knows you guys. But do we want to do a quick introduction of everybody just in case somebody's listening um, and doesn't know who one of us is? So let's start with Graham. Graham, who are you? Um, yeah, okay. I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a writer and a researcher. I wrote um, UFOs Before Roswell, European Foo Fighters, 1940 to 1945, which was released last year. I'm working on a couple of other books at the moment, but no details as yet. Um, so yeah, that's me. Great. Um, quick note on Spaghetti, guys. He had he got hit by that blizzard, so he's helping some neighbors dig out their car. He, there's some elderly neighbors he said he's helping, um, and he got hit pretty well, too. So he's just um, helping out with that. He's sorry he couldn't be here, but he will be here next time. And we have this guy joining. There he Hi, is. What's up? Hello. So we're just introducing ourselves right now, Sean. So Nathan, you want to tell everybody who you are in case somebody's listening that doesn't know you? Sure, yeah. So I'm Nathan. I'm uh, one of the hosts of Calling All Beings. I'm also a uh, co-host with Exoacademian on Liminal Frames. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Soul. And I'm a big fan of everyone in this room, so I'm just really happy to be here <laughs> and listen to what these folks have to say. Awesome. And let's get Vinny next, because he says he might like disappear due to internet stuff. <laughs> so... Yeah, do you know what? So far, so good. Uh, thank you for letting me be the kind of test for my system. <laughs> Um, I've patched it, I think, but for everybody that doesn't know, I am Vinny from Disclosure Team. I um, host the Disclosure Team podcast. Wait, 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 on wait. I don't recognize you. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, uh... I, thought, I thought your name was Blonde Jesus. I'm just kidding. Oh. Blonde <laughs> Vinny, a.k.a. Blonde Jesus. I Thank you. This, All right. The Disclosure Team YouTube channel uh, podcast also out on the Anomalous Podcast Network with Priscilla and Graham. Um, I run Disclosure Team on Twitter and Instagram, and yeah, so if I dip out at any time, good to see you. <laughs> nice knowing <laughs> you. <laughs> we got his book suggestion, too. And then, Jay, who are you? Where are you from? I, I, I mean, it sounds so funny. Where are you? <laughs> uh, well, right now, I'm in Jersey City, New Jersey, where we <laughs> are enduring... Um, I'm like pointing at the window as if you could see out of it, even though the blinds are there. Uh, a blizzard. The Northeast is enduring a blizzard right now. Um, so it's a wonderful day to be with you all snug in the apartment. I'm a co-founder of the Experiencer Group. And uh, let's see, what else? I'm a Wednesday co-host of Witness Citizen with Sean, who's directly below me right now. My Wednesday um, friend. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for coming. And Olaf, I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but yeah. we have Olaf Rockner. Who are you? What do you do? So I'm I'm an artist from Sweden, and I've been interested in UFOs and stuff for my entire life. So 
now it's kind of gelled and I get to work a lot with the community and make logos and illustrations and, and lots of cool collaborations. And so it's, it's really nice to feel the community having my back, so, so to speak. So that's what I do. Thank you so much. And if you, I have everybody's like information in the description. So if you're interested in any of these people, which everybody I know listening is, uh, go check them out. And then we have Sean, who was almost, I was almost a co-host with him. But, um, you know, <laughs> sometimes things just don't work out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, Sean's uh, our document guy. If, and he's the one that actually to... recommended this book. So, Sean, who are you? What do you do? Uh, well, first to address uh, the co-host thing, uh, if you want to get into the personal reasons and the argument we had. We no, can. I was just joking. I'm just no. kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I'm totally kidding. Somebody totally didn't kidding. have their snack. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I tried to do the night shows, but uh, my bedtime was too early. And no, you know, just didn't work out. But hopefully our timing will, you know, be succinct together at one point. We can try it again. But Well, we'll um, be here once a month together at least. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm Witness Citizen. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I've been doing that since, I don't know, maybe April last year or so. I've done um, probably 320-some episodes since then, roughly. Um, and yeah, I mean, everybody here is my friend in some way, shape or form. And I, I wouldn't have met any of you guys without doing this. So uh, it, it's pretty cool just being here. Um, you can find me on Twitter and all that stuff. I do old document stuff. I bring on guests, um, just try to have like campfire, easygoing talks with everybody. And, um, there's a couple people here that haven't been on my show yet. So like Olaf, we got to get on there. Nathan, um, Graham, it's been a long time, but Graham's been on there multiple times. Um, and yeah, Priscilla, Jay and Benny too. So I think what you're doing is awesome. I'm glad we picked this book too, because I think it's pretty good. And um, from Mostly Space, uh, Sean forgot to leave something out of his bio that he is the <laughs> UFO Bob Dylan. So. <laughs> I hate Bob Dylan. <gasps> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. No. I love Bob Dylan. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're just making drama. Yeah, I'm just strong, making drama. I'm a little sarcastic sometimes and dry. <laughs> yeah, Real dry, guys. Real dry. Yeah. So yeah, I what I like so. to do is go around and kind of say, like, what is your overall impression of the book like uh did you like it what did you like about it like just like general thoughts um as you're reading it and when you're done reading it um and we'll start with graham okay so i first read this book probably in the late 70s or early 80s so that's oh, well. as long ago and i realized when i was actually actually i was listening to it this time because i don't have a hard copy of it um it was in, almost incredibly difficult to find a copy that i could afford because i didn't have a copy of it when it leading up to this that's by the by so i was actually listening to an audible version of it <laughs> same thing me too but when i was listening to it i was realizing that i'd completely forgotten everything about the book i had a general sense of what it was like from what i could remember but what i could remember wasn't exactly the same as what i was listening to so my impressions of sort of hearing it again, if you like, is that it, it's very much a child of its times. That kind of era was at the end of the contact era. 
and that comes out in the book because he has a huge section devoted to the people who believed they were in contact with star beings and they were passing on messages mm -hmm. of you know destruction of the earth or look after the planet and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff um <laughs> you know but also some of the fraudsters that were around then as well but then the stories that he tells he, he it's more the kind of flowery language that's not based, you know, that don't go into nuts and bolts too much of the stories. It, it, there's some in-depth analysis, but there's not a lot. It's quite superficial in a way. But also that's because they didn't have access to the records they did back then. Um, you know, it was mostly based on newspaper reports, um, things that came out in UFO newsletters and just talking and telephoning witnesses because Kiel did a lot of that. People don't, you know, don't, obviously remember that he went round like Point Pleasant in West Virginia for the Mothman stories, just going knocking on people's doors, ringing people up, talking to the local newspaper editor, things like that. And actually just, you know, putting the boots on the ground and going around and, and literally just chatting to people. And that's how he got his information. And that's a kind of old school thing. Um, that doesn't seem to happen anymore. Um, with social media, it's you know today it's really easy to get in touch with people and get the side of stories. Whereas back then it was incredibly difficult, um, and of course all the official records weren't there. So you have that kind of it's not a detachment, but it's it's just really difficult uh, for for researchers back then to be able to get the kind of information that we're able to get now. And also looking back to these stories now that we have releases of information and documents like Sean's been plowing through and I've been doing for a project I'm working on, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't a thing back then. They were, mm -hmm. they, they were going on stuff that was just in the public realm, newspaper reports and that kind of thing. So you can see that coming out in the book. But then he talks about the biblical side of thing as well. Now that resonates with me because the first book I ever read on the UFO subject, the one that was given to me by my mother by mistake, was uh, Brinsley Poe Trench's uh, Mysterious Visitors. And it basically was a very heavy emphasis on things like Ezekiel and the wheels, you know, within wheels, that kind of stuff. And uh, Keel talks a lot about that in the book as well. So that kind of set was quite, was quite comforting in a way because that took me back to my childhood. And the things I, re I remember from reading back then, it was all very, very comfortable. It was all very familiar, even though I'd forgot the book. Mm. So that came out. But then there was other things that I know now which are false. And actually, Keel himself said, look, you know, there's not much substance to this. He talked about the Spitsbergen crash of 1952, mm. uh, which is a proven hoax. Uh, and I mentioned that in the book I wrote about the Foo Fighters, because it's got a it's got a Nazi angle to it. So there's a few things there. You know, there's the kind of familiarity, but it's set of a time. Um, it dwells a lot on the contactees, and it dwells a lot on the biblical references. Uh, and you know, it, it's split different ways. So it's it's a bit of everything, really. It's a hodgepodge in a way, but it's written in a really kind of homespun, very, very sort of nice fashion. It's very easy to read. It's like a fireside book, you know, the kind of thing that you give to your grandparents if you wanted to get them into the UFO subject. You know, it's a nice, easy read. You got to like the uh, voices on the audiobook hit when he does like the alien voices. <laughs> he's, he's, he's now I need it. <laughs> the narrator for the audiobook is great. Mm. He's yeah. not, he doesn't do the really fancy voices like Ross Coulthard did for him. <laughs> but he's good. And yeah, he's, got that, kind of, he's got that kind of really engaging voice. And that really helped actually. Because actually, at times, mm -hmm. I thought I was listening to Keel because he talked yeah, in the same kind of way. And when mm -hmm. I've heard Keel being interviewed, it's not his voice, obviously, and right. it's nothing really like his voice, but it's the same kind of manner 
uh, and yeah. that really helped in understanding how it was you know all laid out but yeah i'll, I'll shut up now <laughs> well, that's great and you bring up a lot of points um because when i was reading it um i knew it was an older book but and it was like something i wanted to read but when i looked at the accounts i was just i kept like thinking like well graham would have done this and that and then i realized too like oh well he was like because i was reading his book he's like i would go ask this person and i'm like yeah that's like you're right it's the old school way of research you ask somebody like face to face and we have information like right in front of us at all times so he was definitely ahead of his time uh nathan what did you think of the book and what are your impressions of the overall book yeah, so uh, thanks uh, for letting me talk after Graham. <clears throat> I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, no, uh, I love the book, and I tweeted the other day that it's a foundational book in ufology, and I think that, that that's true whether or not you agree with it. I think it's just a, it, it's kind of part of the, um, you know, it should be part of every ufologist library because it, it's just such a seminal work. Um, what I love about it, and I read it a couple of years ago and picking it up again after having gone through my own journey in the last couple of years, it was really interesting to kind of dip back into some of the conclusions that Keel came to. And what I loved in flipping through it is the, just this mental image that I have of Keel, like literally like transforming over, you know, throughout the course of the book, like his, I could just see him just like pulling his hair out. It's just getting crazier and crazier and him kind of losing his mind, uh, being very frustrated with the, the effort, you know, generally. And I, I agree with Graham and sort of the, the approachability of the prose. It's very easy to read. Uh, it's a, it's a page turner. I mean, you, I think once you pick it up, you're going to get through it pretty quickly. Uh, the chapters, uh, I find that there's, you know, he does walk you through some different anecdotes, but it, they're, they're all, it's, it has a similar flow. Every chapter kind of really kind of lands in, in the same place. He is trying to reinforce the conclusion. And I think the main conclusion uh, that I came to anyway is the absurdity of it all. You know, it's uh, it's just absolutely insane. Every, all of these different accounts that he is studying, the you know, the oral tradition, as you mentioned, Graham, uh, the new newspaper clippings, you know, it's it's just a lot to try to package up into a nice little, okay, this is what it is. And I think you can you can really feel his frustration that he he wanted to come to a nice kind of clean conclusion as to whatever the phenomenon is, what it represents. And I think he landed in the right place, which is it's it's stranger than we think, essentially. It's uh, there are no easy conclusions. You know, we need to sort of lean into the strangeness of it all uh, and and find that the, the answer is going to be there wherever that may lead us. And so and I think. Um, you know, one of the quotes that I had, it was kind of earlier in the book when he, when he talked about the, uh, I'll, I'll mention it really quickly because I think it was really it sort of framed it up well. But uh, he says, if I were writing a book on, say, the Civil War, I would go to these very same sources, these old newspapers, historical records, letters of the actual participants, and I would produce a book that would be accepted by scholars and historians with little or no questions asked. But flying saucers have been dragged down by the amateur theorists and thrown into disrepute by the believers in extraterrestrial visitants. Their efforts have produced skeptics who have found the obvious flaws in the beliefs and have therefore decided that all UFO data are equally invalid. So, you know, he's essentially saying that, uh, you know, when we're doing history, we are going back through looking at these newspaper clippings. We're, we're kind of looking at how people saw events through the cultural understandings of their time. And we are drawing conclusions on what what really happened. 
but as any good historian will, will tell you, it's when you're writing a, a book on history, you're, you're also doing the same thing, right? So you're you're interpreting what you're reading and kind of packaging that up in, in its own narrative as well. Uh, you know, but he says this a lot throughout. He says that, uh, you know, all these stories are so crazy, but they can't all be wrong, which I think is an interesting way to look at it and, and a good place to land. Uh, but what it actually means, I think he's left wondering and, and just as we are now, which I think was, you know, somewhat like comforting, like we're, we're, we're still in, in the same place. Um, but, but maybe frustrating from your point of view, from a certain point of view. Yeah, for sure. Cause I keep, I kept wanting him to like, just say what he thought it was, but he was doing, he was being good and he was just presenting everything that came through everything from, you know. The UFO pancakes or the alien pancakes to things that um, were a little more like just like your basic, like, oh, there was a light. It did this, you know. Right. <laughs> so I appreciate that about him, that he reported everything, even if it was like, you know, in the book, kind of out there for mm -hmm. some people. And what about you, Vinny? Did you, uh, from what you what you were able to uh, listen to, uh, what, yeah. what, what was your impression? <clears throat> I'm not going to make that mistake again. I thought I would take the shortcut, <laughs> give the audio book a chance, you know, but for a similar thing that what Graham said, it's like, I've got so many books I need to read. I don't need to buy another one. I know yeah. I can listen to it on audio. Boy, oh boy. I'm so down for like taking notes and cutting and pasting on of uh, like um, Kindle books and stuff. This was not a, the wisest decision, but I think what I did get from this was, it seemed that a book written in 1970 really is prevalent to the conversation today when we're talking about extraterrestrials. This, um, the relevance to religion, demons, things like that, that it's not just focused on one aspect of the phenomena. You know, the fact that it's called Trojan Horse and it could be concealing something, it could, whether that be hostile or something else, you know, and in the big picture of what it is. Um, the way it talks about folklore as well it, it opens the conversation up so much and reading through oh sorry listening through this i kept forgetting that this was something that was written in 1970 it felt like something that was written within the last five to ten years and that really impressed me that uh, something could be so relevant in a train of thought that is so old um, and that's kind of what i got from it at the you know the base level um anything in depth and do you know what that really, it touched home with me when I realized that this was the first book that Sean read after his experience. And that kind of made sense to me how it kind of appealed to him as well. So, Sean, I feel you, bro. Yeah, this would be an amazing book to find after your first experience because there's so many um, unanswered questions when you see one for the first time. And just like the feelings involved in you, the everything. Um, so I'm glad that he had this book because... It was is probably like having like a friend like you know telling you a bunch of like you know I feel like he that's the thing about John Keel I feel like he would be like such a wise person to talk to um, just with any experience because he was so open minded and accepting of people's experiences but also you know he wasn't gonna believe everything right away. So Jay, what was your impressions, or what were your impressions? Sure, um, I think. I really enjoyed this book. I think, you know, Keel is on the one hand, as Graham put it, like, a, a you know, the book's a product of its time, um, kind of caught between people like Jacques Vallée and Apro, 
Coral Lorenzen, Flying Saucer Review, other people that were very much in the mix at the time. And it's kind of like it, it was yet another heyday in many ways of of nuts and bolts uh, within the field um, back then in, in the late 60s and in 1970 specifically. Um, but at the same time, I, one thing that I appreciate about Keel, and I think it sounds like so far we all do, is that he was really unafraid to be wildly, wildly out of fashion in terms of like, uh, in terms of what were, were the predominant themes of, of the given day. And somewhat similar to Valet, when we look back, you know, uh, Passport to Magonia, I think was published maybe eight months before this or something like that, you know, within a year, as I recall. And the thing is, is that, you know, th there are little bits that that seem very similar and when we look back from it from a retrospective view we think like oh that was part of the milieu because Jacques Vallée was also covering that but Jacques Vallée at the time in doing Passport to Magonia was also wildly out of fashion he was super he was like cast out for like a while as much as one could be from 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 you know some some groups in ufology for thinking the way that he did just just as Kiel did so you know in in terms of ultra terrestrials in terms of intelligent and energy even in terms of transmedium craft you know these were these were like hot button issues at the time you know people at, at the end of the contact e cases minger von tassel people like that um you know there was there was a retraction historically towards ufologists wanting to talk occupants at at, at best with re, with regard to craft. They didn't want to talk about Venusia. They didn't want to talk about like what were the physical descriptions of these actual beings at that moment. You know what I mean? They would say UFO knots. They would say occupants. They wouldn't go further than that lar largely. That that was kind of like excised from from accounts. And so you know even just him mentioning that that going into physical description saying how tall people were what their complexion was things like this um that was like even kind of a strange moment for that you know um and so in that way you know i i really appreciate that he was talking about that he was talking about mysterious helicopters you know these these situations like that 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 are incredibly relevant and still happening you know as much as people would like to deny that sometimes and so in many ways, it seems like the more things change, the more time passes, the more things stay the same sometimes, at least with the data itself. And this was a guy that was kind of unafraid. And even one of the central points going in the early chapters is, is, is griping about how many ufologists would edit out data that didn't fit their hypothesis. That was one of his, that's one of his big things in here. And him kind of being brave enough to, to edit in all of the data and really trying to contend with it seems like part of the central hypothesis of the book, really, when it comes down to it. Jay, um, because um, you mentioned towards right towards the end about NICAP um, yeah. withholding a file as well, doesn't he? So it, yep. it's, a, it's a bit of a common theme. And of course, people have accused other agencies of of hiding things, but actually we're no, we're no better than them in terms of, you know, people who are researchers, etc. So uh, yeah, he was he was spot on there. Indeed, indeed, completely agreed, completely agreed. And so, 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 and you know, this goes back. Donald Kehoe. People have criticized Kehoe mm -hmm. for editing out like occupant descriptions. 
you know, um, right. e- like quote unquote ET descriptions, things like that. Um, even though, you know, that guy's like a kind of a hero of mine. <laughs> and for many people, it doesn't mean that these are perfect people that we are dealing with. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it almost makes you, and I'm a big fan of him too, but you're right. Like, when does it make you as ridiculous by taking things out as you think the story is ridiculous? It works both ways. So, yeah, that's a, totally. but I like his work too. So it's hard for to like, say things <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. like you said he's a person just like everybody else uh yep. olaf what about you what did you think of the book um well i really liked it i was really surprised it felt really current um, like i i think i usually have a mental image that that the material in the book that it's that old is like outdated and and weird and and sure some some of it was and it, like graham mentioned but so much feels like oh we're gonna hear more about these things pretty soon because obviously everyone has forgotten about this aspect of the phenomenon and i think we will have resurges of all of the aspects of this book in in the coming years and i i really enjoy that he even well, like going out to the to the fae and and like the little people and like talking about like these kind of I mean it, it's weird stuff but but like when I when I look into to uh, well uh, stuff about uh, ancient uh, rituals and and like folklore and stuff like that that you have like in in the culture like we have lots of little people in sweden and like you know the the the, the mushrooms and the amanita muscaria and stuff like that and i i feel like it, it's part of the phenomenon and uh, it's just weird how it expresses itself somehow uh, but I also enjoy that he like uh, he, that he was talking about the the ghost flyers uh, that came uh, before the ghost rockets uh, and that that you had like sightings and he was uh, he was sighting off small towns in the north of Sweden like he mentioned Umeå uh, Umeå uh, like that I live in right now um, and Arjeplug like a really small little town close to where i grew up so it's it's really cool to hear those stuff and and that's and this is a book from the 70s and i actually never never heard about those cases so it was cool to to get like updated with (laughs) new information for me at least with this old book (laughs) but yeah i really enjoyed it uh so yeah that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah um he he really went into depth on so many things and like the amount of like like you know hands-on and boots on ground research that he did is just to me like blows my mind and the fact that he covered everything like like it's literally like anything that you could think of that would like pertain to the phenomena before we we knew about skinwalker ranch and before we knew about all these anomalous places with these different phenomena he covered it that way um from that viewpoint like you said, ghosts, fae, <laughs> gnomes, you know, all of it. And then he had the the flaps, which were kind of crazy to me that like, how is this happening here and here pretty much at the same time, same day. Um, that's super cool too. And Sean, so you kind of had like, this is what you recommended the book and you found it right after your first sighting. So can you tell us about that too and your impressions of the book? Yeah, sure. So my, my first sighting wasn't um, like 
you know, uh, a lot of people when they when they think of UFOs that maybe aren't in the UFO kind of world, they they imagine people who say they've had a sighting and think uh, they saw a spaceship like a, a saucer or whatever or aliens, you know, and that's not what I saw. You know, I, I saw two uh, very close, like white, bright uh, or bald things that zipped in and out of the dimension or whatever I, I don't i don't know what to say um but it was and they were both really close to me and they surrounded a dream of mine that came true that i had a couple of years prior so i was in this state of like kind of shock like um is there something mentally wrong with me is there you know did i imagine this did it really happen in is my mind you know just trying to mold things to make sense to me somehow or like what is the deal you know, so I knew like reading a book about like Roswell or, or something about like aliens, like wasn't going to um, do me really any good um, because that's not what I was looking for. And that's not what my experience was, you know. Um, so I just did a little research like online, just looking, you know, at um, just synopsis of different books and everything. So um, I just landed on that one and, and I read it and I, it was intriguing and it helped me make a little bit not more sense of it but feel more comfortable with my experience you know because there is so many different things going on um you know and it's interesting now like reading old like bulletins from flying sauce review and stuff like that um seeing you know side by side articles of of jacques valet and and john keel you know uh, and they were both kind of writing things at the same time and in, in the same um, publications and you know there was a time where I, I don't think they necessarily got along and they disagreed about stuff and other times where they did so it's pretty interesting um, but there's a lot in that book that stuck out to me and there's still you know a, a lot you know that you guys have said that um, really hits on what hit me at the time you know uh, especially with how things are so similar now all the way from you know, and I'm guilty, <laughs> guilty of this, but uh, infighting between different groups of, of ufology or people that are here, um, you know, and just the phenomenon itself and how it has the innate ability to almost seem to uh, manipulate people into complete confusion. You know, um, I remember him talking about uh, the materials of all these different crash sites. And people go, they get the materials, they test it, and it's just mundane stuff. It's just metal or it's it's whatever, you know. And then going through UFO documents and finding all these crash sites of materials and looking at their lab analysis and actually seeing that it's mundane stuff and it's nothing, you know, weird or spectacular and seeing pictures of it, you know, and it's like, like there's a picture in Blue Book of just like a piece of a plane or like a door from a Cessna. <laughs> you know, it's like and but the Air Force yet went all out every time in like, uh, you know, retrieving that stuff. And it it's like it could be just from a plane or whatever. But if it's part of the phenomenon, like it's got this just complete trickster vibe to everything. And going back to like the predictions that I forget who is talking about it, but. Uh, all these minor predictions that people would make would come true and it would gain their confidence to the point of where they were told a major prediction and they would spout it to the world and then it wouldn't happen. 
<laughs> you know, uh, it does. That makes sense to me because the thing is that I what I garnered from listening to it is that this is an early state for me when you first take on board the hypothesis of the ultra terrestrial, where it isn't necessarily ET or this and that. And we're going back to 1970, and that keeps pinging my brain. But we're talking about ultra terrestrial, where it could be this or that. It could be related to paranormal. It could be yeah. related to demons. It could be related to fairies and folklore and stuff like that. And so that's what really stood out for me. And it's it is it's could it be and, tricking us into thinking that it's this and that in 30 years well, ago, and we're still being tricked now to think it's something else based on another theory? But all in all, it's the same thing. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. fascinating. This There's, whole. It, and people are just see... now coming around to that and he was talking about it then so yeah man, we, think these... like... <laughs> we think these it's a, a new not, like didn't... thing it's not there's it's not a point that really we... hits home on that and and it's when he's talking about um this prediction that people were making and i forgot already like what specifically the prediction was um but there were people like um that were told things by you know um beings uh, alien beings and there were people that do like uh seances or whatever and were told things like from different spectrums of things like not ufo people like other types of meditation or spiritualist people and ufo people and they were all given like the same information about the same prediction you know and i was yeah. saying like everyone it almost seems like everyone's tapping like the same source almost you know like but we all have these different faces on it and I, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's, you know, I can only say so much because I can't sit here and say, oh, that's true or not. I can only just say, you know, how it makes sense. And he, he really framed it nicely yeah. in the way he wrote it makes sense to me. So. You have to wonder about, um, he obviously expounds about this at length more in the Mothman prophecies. But when he talks about yeah. um, the earthquake in Turkey, uh, that, um, you know, that was divulged by this, whoever this person or entity was, and talks about the, that the bridge that was going to collapse. Right. Um, you know, this is an, just another kind of element of that, but from somebody else. And of course, it was a much more localized kind of phenomenon that was going on hand in hand with a lot of other things that seemed to be going on around the kind of Point Pleasant area in 1967. Mm -hmm. And that was something that actually resonated uh, was quite frightening to me as a kid when I read about Mothman and obviously <laughs> because he wrote a, you know, a complete book about it, but it appears in here as well. Um, but it also appears in another book, which I actually would advise anybody here and in the audience to read, which is Strange Creatures from Time and Space, which is another book he wrote. Uh, I believe he wrote, he wrote it maybe in the mid 70s. It's incredibly difficult to find, and when you do find it, it's very expensive, but it goes mm. all over the place in terms of its subjects, much like this one does, but even more because it talks about things like Bigfoot. Uh, it has a chapter for everything. It talks about Incubi and Succubi. It talks about, you know, it has a, it's called the Bedroom Invaders. That's the chapter there. Uh, Bigfoot mm. and little, Big Feet and Little Brains is the one about Bigfoot and some others. Mm. These are the chapters I remember. There's only one chapter about UFOs. There's talk, um, mm. but they talk about the ghost rockets. They talk, he talks about the ghost flyers, as Olaf mentions. It's a really good book. It's like Trojan Horse. But it's subtly mm. different. But you can still cool. see the same elements woven through how we, you know, how we attack this book to how he wrote that one as well. So that's another one you should really read. He mentions Jazoo, 
which is an earlier book I believe he wrote. Uh, and I think that's to do more with demonology. Now, I've never read that, so I can't comment on it. But certainly the Mothman book and Strange Creatures in Time and Space, if you like Trojan Horse or you like what we're saying about it, get a hold of those as well. Yeah, I definitely wrote some of those down and mostly space brings up something interesting that I noticed as well. And this is also kind of like um, Diana wrote about this in her book, uh, American Cosmic, as well as like um, a good example of how sometimes when you investigate the phenomenon, it investigates you. And that doesn't have to be a visitation. It could be coming across a document. Do you know what I mean? So people are like, well, I've never seen anything like Vinny's like, oh, I've never seen anything. But you come across these things, too, that it's almost like it found you. Um, so you can talk about it. So that's definitely what, interesting. Just just carrying on from what Graham was saying is with regards to Point Pleasant and the Mothman thing. When that happened, and you had the bridge collapse as well. That was put on that people had seen Mothman on the bridge as well. And that put the fear into people that carried on for years and years. And then people have associated these massive disasters with a phenomenon as well mm. that has mm. gone down in folklore for years. Whereas it was probably just one person who, who, you know, planted that seed as well. So we've got to be careful about, you know, we're talking about Trojan horses and about right. things that you uh, are spoken about that may not be true, but it's, you know, it's one person hears it, then two then four then eight and it expands into this massive thing over generations and that's a really important point i think especially with that story with mothman and point pleasant do you see, do you see where i'm coming from yes. it kind of reminds me of yeah. towards the end he, he talks about how the phenomenon it seems like it has the ability to manipulate man's mind to yeah. sit in the corners in the dark yeah. shadows of your mind and and yeah. do things like how people he talks about how people you know then uh, would lose their jobs or lose relationships with family members yeah. to preach to the world that aliens are here <laughs> you know yeah. and some people and, get institutionalized, you know, I, I like no joke, kids taken place, away. Like, <laughs> you know, like reading documents over and over or reading through all these documents doing this show and thinking about the time that I'm not giving to other things that I may have beforehand, you know, and it makes you think like, what the hell? <laughs> you know and and what's the point and it's it's kind of easy if you think about it to think well maybe the point is confusion but that almost seems too easy too you know yeah yeah like wouldn't they what else would you call confuse it? us like <laughs> you know? um, i think it kind of speaks to the nature of experience and this is you know i want to get jay's thoughts on this but the the, the nature of experience just just at all right so you know i think the book and and we're dealing with this now too trying to incorporate a lot of different phenomena and 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 make an explanation for it and we and we we have a tendency to lump those strange things into this category you know phenomena but yeah. what's to me what's interesting is experience at all right so the fact that we have have waking experience have dream experience have have experience period you know, we don't we don't focus on that because it's very mundane. You know, it seems mundane to us because we're all quite used to it. What we focus on are the outliers. And I think we, we may be losing sight here of something that is more fundamental. The outliers in, in their absurdity point to what may be really going on. But but we might be missing the point. You know, it, it's it's experience itself. And, and you know, think about how throughout time and history models of understanding change 
and the way experience is interpreted changes. And and we like to think, but we like to look back back at history and, and try to we take our sort of very um, you know kind of microscopic approach to events, and we say, well, this thing happened. You know, it was like this. Um, but really, everything is coming th- to us through experience. You know, everything is mediated to us through perception. And so I think that that we need to be looking at what what lies below all of that. And that's where this may actually be. And and what I think that is, is consciousness itself. Uh, but Jay, I would wonder what you kind of think about that from your own experience and how you think about these issues, uh, the, the, the absurd and, and what we would call the normal. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that there is like, a, you know, the, the, the problem of perception, consciousness and experiences is a vast one. And, you know, one interesting thing here is that, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things here. One is that that we almost take it as a general assumption that that these others, whichever others we're speaking of, and it could be like a whole city phone book of others. You know what I mean? Um, when we try to narrow it down to to one person or one group, you know, I I kind of always imagine like a classic outdated 1990s New York city phone book. You know what I mean? That it could be like, if we have that many people right here, how many beings could it be existing in the, the universe or even the multiverse? Right. But so why would we find unit unifying characteristics among every single person that's in there other than that? Oh, you know, they've got fingers or eyes or what have you. They're bipedal, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But when you're talking about issues of communication or issues of perception, um, we take it as a given that that these beings speak um, telepathically. Right. They communicate telepathically. And we and we somehow, you know, we start to take it as a given that they speak our language, that they use words that we know, that they even use our our language bases. And so if you're a geologist, it might make an analogy using a geology term. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a Japanese, uh, uh, you know, engineer of, of stereo receivers, it might use a, an engineering term, right? And, and somehow um, we find it strange when it might look different. And it's like, if, it's ex- if, if this other intelligence is accessing our, our perception at such a deep level, that it's able to know what words we know in the language that we know it, then why is it so strange when we see like, you know, people that are dear to us? You know what I mean? Why is it so strange to us when we see our dead grandparents? You know what I mean? Or something like this, you know, that that could be something overlapping and different entirely. But, you know, there's these situations where people will be like, oh, I'm on a, I was on a craft and I saw my mom, but she had passed away beforehand, you know, things like that. And it's, you know, if if it's about, you know, we're we're entering into a hall of mirrors when we're when we're dealing with situations like this. But but in terms of like looking at something that's looking back at you, there is a depth that's happening there that's extraordinary. And we assume, I think on some level, when we're dealing with each other, we're dealing with like this very face level. We're dealing with 
what people are saying. We're dealing with their micro expressions. You know, we're dealing with what you pick up over time from someone. And in a way, that's almost like looking at somebody's desktop. You know, it's like looking at the desktop of somebody's monitor. And it's like, what's, and, and these beings often seem to be, these, these entities often seem to be looking at the hard drive instead of the desktop, you know? And that gets at a, a model of perception that is actually very in vogue among cognitions these days, which is Don Hoffman's case against reality, which is that, you know, we have these five senses and we're actually evolutionarily biased against reality because what we're here to do is, is procreate, eat you know get by and not get spooked by by weird shit you know what, and, what i would say to that yeah. sorry to interrupt jay but no, no, no. what i would say to that and just following on from the theme of the book is these um visions and perceptions of our, our grandparents like you say and things like that but in vain with the book this trojan horse mm -hmm. that could be throwing these things out there for you to see for you mm -hmm. to believe that these are visions and things of your of your lost grandparents and that what if they are just visions to completely put you in the wrong direction to make you think it's something that it's not and it you know playing devil's advocate make you think it's all la-di-da let's say when in fact it's actually a perception to actually manipulate you in a negative way because you know our minds may be very malleable from these whoever they are and uh, uh, like I said, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate, but, but do, do you see where I'm coming from? It's like, yeah, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> that's a good point. Well, like on that anyone. though, on on that yeah. note, guys, what if they're not? What if it's neither? What if they're not manipulating us? What if they're yeah. just their energy has this resonance and it's our own interpretation? We're kind of like screwing ourselves due to not screwing ourselves, but like kind of we're making out we're we're perceiving it the only way we can. What if they're not trying to manipulate? or bless us or give us future advice but what whatever they're emitting in their energy or whatever they're like just their presence and the resonance of it just you know it's so out of our world or out of our dimension that we are kind of just making up what we can understand from something we really don't recognize well that would explain why you get sorry Dorf, that would explain why you get like one situation and 20 different viewpoints wouldn't it I that's where, what I was going to say. I was going to say, what if there is no necessarily they? You know, what if our experiences are are different and there is 20 different stories because it mirrors us because we are all unique to ourselves, just like these experiences seem to be. So what if all this stuff is just one giant ball of consciousness bouncing off of each other constantly? You know, what if my conscious has a way of somehow traveling to somebody else and they're seeing, you know, almost my perception mentally, you know, or I, I don't know if there necessarily has to be or another intelligence specifically as much as it could be a side of intelligence or a collective intelligence that we didn't know existed that we could be experiencing it's it's just you know something that came to my mind um and it could be wrong <laughs> but it's very you know, interesting though it's another way to look is. at it i i think that's definitely you know on the you know one of the possibilities because we, we have no idea what we're dealing with but at the same time like they could have been here like along with us but not in our i keep wanting to say resonance i don't know how else to say it um 
because we're, you know, what makes us matter is a very specific, you know, um, sort of vibration. I'm not even talking woo, like it literally, like, we, you know, our molecules move at a certain speed. So yeah, that makes a, us humans. Level. That, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it would make sense that they just might not be like the same density as us or even vibrate at the same level as us. And for some reason, when they're around us, are they lowering that? Are they changing their, you know, makeup, like of like their physicality so we can see them? And that's another thing I always think about because I'm like, where did they go? Like if you see one, it's just like, boop, gone. And you're like, the heck? Like, <laughs> but I really love the idea that, that maybe they have no control over it at all. Mm. And it's only humans who control how, how, how we see them, how we perceive them. And they're like, no, don't look at me as a big scary monster or don't be scared or don't do the, like, we have no control over this person because it, it's like our subconscious is like just animating it. However, we like, like that we have like a, like a really powerful imagination or something like that sort of connects to the phenomenon somehow or i don't know mm, yeah and did any of you find i'm sorry i'm sorry nathan um go ahead go ahead no, this is going to be I was just curious from an artist perspective olaf you know so you know how do you understand um you know kind of what is true how do you understand truth through art you know so it, these are things that um i think about artists as um better equipped or or in some ways what seeking to try to uh elucidate these sort of grander mysteries that of the human experience and that comes out in a in a lot of a lot of different ways in poetry and, and music and you know the visual arts and and all kinds of things but but you know there's something that we i don't like using this word because i know it has a lot of you know fuzzy connotations but we resonate with art you know, I think for a reason, you know, so how do you think about these issues from the vantage of an artist, you know, about phenomena itself? Well, I mean, I try to not think about the entire spectrum of phenomena, the phenomenon, like, like focusing on the little tiny slice that I'm looking at at mm. the moment, because to put them together, even in the same image, it's like, different languages or something it's hard to visualize them without them negating each other somehow so so like for me to just go into it and it doesn't matter if it's true or or like what what i depict really because it, it becomes true in that instance sort mm. of. Uh, so it's like if you've seen Rick and Morty and they're watching interdimensional cable and it's like it doesn't matter if the the triangle ship is pyramid shape but now in this in this slice of the multiverse i'm gonna go all in on this aspect and try to mine it for for what it's worth and like all obviously try to make a, a dramatic view or or like show show off the details or do something to to distinguish this is this version and then maybe i'll make another version the next day i'll do a new one and then just think of it from a, another perspective but but i i like the idea that 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 you can find your way back to basically the same theory through different phenomena mm -hmm. like even if it's like ghosts or like close 
death experiences or something like that. But uh, love that. Not sure if I answered. No, that, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. You're on mute. Oh, I was on mute. Oh, oh no, still is on mute. Still is on mute. Sorry. Sorry, I, I pressed the comment so then I couldn't see that I was muted. Um, yeah, I think that artists definitely see, like you obviously see things differently, but I liked, I think last book club you were talking about that, how you you, you start kind of getting these stories and about these beings you're drawing or painting and it's almost alive. Or it, I just feel like sometimes artists are kind of like shamans in a sense that they're in two worlds because where are you bringing this uh, – out of where is it coming from do you know what i mean like like you're just like pulling it out of your head or you're seeing you know it's just very fascinating to me when it's people a muscle things. olaf would probably it's agree olaf with muscle. Me it's a muscle. <laughs> no yeah. like in in writing my songs well, in writing, music, in writing right? like when i write my lyrics I, I would imagine that it's probably very similar to how you paint like i don't really I, I don't really think about the subject or the thing i'm going to write about as much as i'm pulling from a muscle that's grabbing things like kind of subconsciously mm. and putting it on paper and I've been doing it for 20 years. So I don't really think about it anymore as much as it's just a muscle that writes, starts writing words and it's a way it grooves and flows that it just comes out. Like I could write a line or a, a song full of lyrics right now, you know? Um, and, you know, and a lot of times the meaning or whatever is less important than the act of, of doing it and creating something out of thin air. And, and when you're done looking at it and going, now, what the hell does that mean? You know, <laughs> and you may not even know, maybe sometimes a year goes by and you're like, man, those lyrics are like perfect for this situation I'm going through right now. I, you know, then it, it starts getting creepy. Like, am I predicting the future? Am I pulling, <laughs> am I, is my consciousness like pulling from something, which it right. could be like some sort of like, uh, download I'm having at the time or something that we you know we give terms to things and everything mm -hmm. but maybe a lot of this sometimes I think is more natural and we just aren't um, we haven't developed a relationship with it quite yet you know I so think that's maybe, a really important point to make as well because you talk about the artistic side with music and artwork when I listen to Sean's music or see Olaf's artwork it resonates so much that it maybe even for those split seconds changes my view on the phenomenon you know if i see a piece by Olaf on twitter and then scroll down i've got that image that beautiful image in my head that might then affect the way i read the next few posts do you know oh, what yeah. i mean it, it really can have that effect even if it's for a split you know five to ten seconds because you can scroll a lot in five to ten seconds but when you've seen a beautiful imagery of the phenomena it, it you know i'm spitballing here but there's that real perception difference, you know? I well, doesn't it like, it. you know, it's just like listening to a song that you love or, you know, like we are affected by beauty and music is beautiful and art is beautiful and it's going to sound hippie, but it lifts, well, and a non-hippie thing. We get little like bursts of happy hormones when we see stuff like that. So you're going to be reading things or like Vinny says, it's going <laughs> to, with his face sign, it's going to raise your vibes and you're going to be happier. So everything you read, like is maybe something that would have made you mad like a minute before you saw Olaf's painting or heard one of Sean's songs would have been like, like made you mad or like, you know, like made you react differently. And now you're in a good mood now because you listen to a nice song, you saw a beautiful painting. You're like, Oh, that doesn't bother me. Like it just rolls off a little easier. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and and along those lines, we're talking about things that are that are very liminal and ephemeral, and they're kind of like glimpses. You know, there's often that line about, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words and things like that, right? And and maybe there's something about that that's more utilitarian or useful within the range. You know, there's an early quote in in Keel's book where he's talking about. You know, I think it's in the first two chapters where he says, you know, about a third of you will know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. and about two thirds of you will never believe what I'm talking about. And what he's saying is that that if essentially that that he's talking about multiple modality experiencers, he's saying that people that have seen a UFO are more likely to have seen a ghost or some interdimensional thing mm -hmm. or to have heard something or so. And you know, again, that's something that was like wildly, wildly out of fashion and inconvenient as a truth at the time. Right. And right. it gets me thinking, you know, he was trying to get this together, like back before, you know, um, recently, you know, with skinwalkers at the Pentagon, for example. Right. You know, um, back in the original um, Hunt for the Skinwalker book, there's that um, well, well trodden quote about how the ghost people wouldn't talk to the UFO people and nobody wanted to talk to the Bigfoot people because they were off, you know, in at some campsite in the woods, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But, you know, towards the end of Operation Trojan Horse, here's, you know, the, he's starting mm -hmm. to put in graphs of, that are correlating poltergeist yeah. and UFO phenomena, things like that, that were wildly out of fashion for 50 years, only until last year again. Where, people, where nuts and bolts people like dragged into the position of having to deal with this stuff. By the way, um, I'll bury this in the middle of this podcast, but like, <laughs> you know, nuts and bolts, it's always like kind of a funny term to me because like, you know, these crafts are, when they are a craft, they're often seamless. And so nuts and bolts is especially hilarious because these people don't even <laughs> recognize that there's never a fucking nut or a bolt on the craft to begin with i'll hold my hands up to that one because i use that term a lot <laughs> yeah yeah and it just makes it makes people on that end of the spectrum sound especially stupid when they absorb that recognizing yeah. that you're talking about a seamless craft anyway oh. um so but like when we're talking about this stuff let it out about, let it out we're talking about problems of communication right and so when we're talking about music we're talking about art we're talking about things that are in this more liminal in this more ephemeral space and one of I think one of the central issues when we when people in ufology look at ghost people, they look at paranormal people and they think that they're so different. I think one of it is one of the problems is the framing device. We talk about accounts. We talk about cases. We talk about what did you what did you see? And so within our frame of reference, it's acceptable to say, like, I saw it for 25 seconds. It fits on a chart. It looked like a glowing orb and then it was gone and or whatever. Right. Whereas within paranormal, I, I, I saw a doctoral, uh, like a doctoral candidate the other day, a really learned guy who um, has been kind of like immersing himself in paranormal ghost accounts, right? And he and even he, within his very, very academic framework, was like, like, tell me your ghost story. It's always the framing of the mm -hmm. ghost story. And that's <laughs> the problem is that ghost stories have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an end. And what we, what people often realize is that, that that kind of narrative, that kind of like, that kind of chronological narrative where it has to have a clean beginning and a clean ending goes against almost everything that, that we know about this phenomena, right? 
Right. And so, and so when we think about like, why does music make more sense or why does art make more sense when we're referencing things like this or why, you know, things like aliens and artists, like why, why are more experiencers in, in that lane of, 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 of the highway? Um, it might have something to do with that, you know? Yeah. I want to know too, because I feel like so many people I've talked to, it's like a little bit of everything after they've had one experience or it's just, and this is, we're talking like normal people's lives. Like I had a friend that saw a spirit and then she was outside and she saw a UFO and that freaked her out. She was cool with the spirit. She's like, that's grandpa. It's cool. But <laughs> this thing in the sky uh, is really, it freaked her out. But then I after that, to, I, they start having the movement of things in the house, like poltergeist like activity. And it's insane. Sorry, Vinny, go ahead. No, no, I just have to, Jay has completely made probably one of the best points I've heard for months nuts and bolts actually doesn't mean <laughs> what it needs but somebody goes means, at least it's not bricks and mortar <laughs> yeah no and that's a great point but jay what do we call it what exactly. do we call it <laughs> um we need it we need it you call it reductive research driven it makes perfect sense because yeah I need, no I need a term to use so I don't sound really stupid now. Yeah. So now what I use all the time. Now I, I, I feel... gonna be like, you know, I'm a nuts and never mind. <laughs> well, and you know, Keel even talks about how they were like, there's no 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 two craft are alike. You yeah, know, exactly. that was really. You know, it's like there are twelve thousand yeah. types of craft. What does that What does that tell you right there? That it's. Uh, does that yeah, mean? See, I can I can say like reading through all the blue book files that I have, which have been in the hundreds. Um, that's I don't know that that's necessarily true. At least going by those, which you know you could true. say if that's the right thing to do or not. Right. Maybe well, not, but Project but Sign you, and Project Grudge um, categorized them into five major groups. Right. So, yeah, and yeah. those seemed to play throughout kind of somewhat correctly throughout, you know, through 1969 at least, you know. But well, you and um, Grammar read so many things. I, yeah, I, the funny I, thing is, if know. I now say yeah, I'm a nuts and balls researcher, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> just gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to have Jay on the well, I'm Seamless I'm gonna have Jay on my shoulder. Yeah. We're gonna start mailing you little bags yes. of nuts and bolts. I'm gonna have Jay. So I, my question is, I apologize. Gonna, who am I gonna have on the other shoulder though? Yeah. You're baby walking. They got Jay on one shoulder. There's Thank no you, nuts. Baby. There's no bolts. What so are I got, you wait, is that about? like? Is that I don't know if there's anything even here. Work? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you might need a whole crew, Vinny, because I don't know how to answer you know, that. We're completely flipping the script right now. But this here, is, again, I think that's a great that. point, um, which is an <laughs> overall really thing is. of of this book as well, is because he goes into this fact that, and this is that term I will keep going back to, is ultra-terrestrial, because we keep, mm -hmm. or the community keeps talking about extraterrestrial well, he mentioned that in the book too didn't he ultra terrestrial interdimensional but ultra terrestrial now seems to cover a whole gambit oh yes more because extraterrestrial yes. it is what it is but it covers ultra angels it covers demons too yeah. it covers anything somebody has so seen now so now we're kind of now we need to start really breaking down these things and yeah we don't have the answers but like We've got to get the verbiage right. We've got to get the verbiage right, right now. And but, but you can see how yeah. our models carve out that space for us, though. Jay, Jay yeah, on my so. shoulders talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, if it, if it helps, I'm on a diet. So at least it'll, <laughs> at least it'll weigh a little bit less by spring. <laughs> oh, I'm, hey, I'm kidding. Bear, I love Avi you, Jay. Says he wants to get a camera right there so he can see the bolt in it. You know. 
Oh, that's right. He did. Made in uh, wherever. What are you talking about? Bolts. Man, you're the wrong guy for this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Talking about the ultra terrestrials, you know, he it's all about the models that are that open up to us and then what then occupies the new space, the new frontier that is created. So because we are now dealing a lot with quantum physics and and these uh, sort of multiverse ideas, then then so too the ideas of interdimensional beings, ultra terrestrial beings, you know, these come in to fill that new space that has been made. I think we have to remember that that's never going to stop, right? There's there's sort of this yeah. idea every generation that arrives on on this earth and experience has this period of time where you think like this is we've kind of got it figured out here we have a general sense of what's happening and if i flip back through the history books like they were pretty pretty confused uh this is actually what it is they had it wrong well the the history books of tomorrow will look back at this time and go the models they had were were not quite right and so you know i think we have to we have to have that kind of humility um you know to land where keel lands uh, you know at least for me in this book i think he lands in this place. If we do think that there are ultra terrestrials, he's he's saying to us, you cannot trust them. And I think that, that that's an mm-hmm. important message to to wrestle with. Right. Because we have yeah. a lot of folks that have experiences that say, well, they told me this. Um, they told me this is going to happen. He's saying, yeah, sometimes that stuff does happen, uh, but but it's not necessarily trustworthy. And so I, 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 I resonate with that a lot because, uh, you know, things like. Um, you know, the message is that they, they say we shouldn't be playing with nukes. I mean, who says yeah. if they're trying to stop us from doing that? They're not doing like an excellent job at it. We detonated I mean, a lot you, of nukes. Right. And yeah. you go to just Graham's work on uh, UFOs before Roswell. And it's like, I don't know if it's the nuke thing, because, uh, you know, before they existed, like there was, you know, going back throughout the course of time, there's been sightings in the sky. And, um, you know, if they wanted to stop us from, you know, uh, using nukes or whatever, where were they when we were doing the Manhattan Project? Why didn't they do something before we even created them? Yeah, or, yeah. You know, why didn't they confuse our brain and make us forget the, you know, the equations we thought of to make this stuff to begin with? Right. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, and you can't use the free will thing for that because they've obviously turned off things and that's kind of a violation of free will. So you, you can't always go back to they're not going to violate your free will. Like it doesn't work in every scenario. Some of it maybe, but some of it, it doesn't. And that's hard for me to say too because I want to think that, you know, um, they're not going to me- like mess with us unless, you know, they're going to help us. But we just don't know. And there's enough experiences that are both positive and negative that, you know, it makes you question. And he's, he might not even say like, don't trust it, like, like in a menacing way, but just in general, like you can't trust it because you don't know. But keep talking. I just want everybody to like put their book comment, put your book suggestions in the chat. So um, unless you're on screen, then you can just tell me, but keep talking. I'm going to have people put their things in the chat. That way I can start writing them down. But go ahead, Graham. Yeah, sorry. That comes back to the Trojan horse element, doesn't it? About, you know, things on what they seem. But Imagine if Kiel had been around 50 years afterwards and he'd written that book like in 2020, he would have been all over Skinwalker, wouldn't he? Because the things that you know, are happening there, all these multiple strands and different elements and diverse things, that would have ticked so many boxes in terms of what he was talking about there. But also, you just wonder what you would have made of the current state of ufology. Uh, people like Luella Zondo and Chris Mellon. Um, the, the FLIR videos, you know, the, the nuts, sorry, not, not nuts and bolts, the seamless <laughs> shape of the Tic Tac. 
Sorry, I had to do that. Sorry, <laughs> um, what would he have made of the Tic Tac? And you know what kind of phenomenon that is, and you know, West Coast, East Coast, all this kind of stuff. Um, people like Anjali, you know, love her or loathe her, or have no feelings whatsoever on her. She is effectively a contactee, as is what the word used to be. They call it something different now. But you know that she is effectively the 2021, 22 version oh, of what shit. was happening in the yeah. 50s and 60s. So. I feel like Keel would you know, go, yeah, I've seen this before. Exactly. <laughs> Everything know, he was yeah. writing about in the 70s is just reinventing the wheel, isn't it? And ufology does that. You know, this subject does basically reinvent itself, but the stuff is exactly the same, just packaged sure. differently or has a different name. Like Lou Elizondo, you could argue, is there was Dr. McDonald, you know, mm. James McDonald. There there was Kehoe. There was Kehoe who, you know, uh, Agent Aliens, that new episode, was just talking about this recently where um, the Armstrong Circle Theater where they had the Air Force and uh, Kehoe or whatever um, talking um, just about, you know, UFO stuff. And Kehoe starts talking about the Air Force and he had a script that he had to stick to. And he was about to start um you know going off about the air force and how much they suck and his recording mysteriously went out you know and the air force you can see him talk about that in the blue book files you know it, it's it's pretty interesting and you could relate that to people that are on the main stage now you know um for better or for worse you know unfortunately it's key to see the differences for sure but it'd be very easy to say you know uh, i've seen this before um, how is this different? But the, and there are differences, but it's key to note what those are. You know, like the first public um, congressionally passed, you know, UFO study. You know, that's never happened. So, one of the things along those lines that I thought was interesting was was him talking again about um, the uh, with regard to the Air Force. He was talking about that study called like Case Fourteen or something like that. That was that was written with Battelle. And he was and he was talking about how many cases there were and how it actually kind of gelled with his with what he had at the time. And uh, of course, one thing to note that we kind of buried here is that um, so far is that one of the reasons why Keel was so um, well read in in terms of and had his had his ear so close to the ground was not just that he was on the ground and he was talking to people like literally knocking on doors, but also he he. Um, he uh, was a subscriber to clipping services, which was like a really kind of rare thing back in the day. And this is what people did, uh, researchers before the Internet, where they would so su they would subscribe to clipping services with certain topics and they were like keywords. And so you'd ask this clipping service that collected tons and tons of regional newspapers from all over the world. And they, they would go, you know, Xerox and clip articles and they would send them to you each month. Um, that were pertinent to these keywords. And so Keel was one of the very few people back in those days that was that was subscribing to clipping services uh, with ufology or UFO cases as as like a keyword, right? And so that's that continues to be one of the points of relevance for him. But anyway, so like one of the situations here is that the Air Force put out this report with Patel and it was talking about air cases, right? And when we talk, and as Sean was saying, like, oh, what would they think about like Elizondo? What would we think about Mellon? Things like that. What would Keel think about that? We're still one of the things there is that Keel is like, why did they do this? Why did they put those cases out there? I agree with it. Why did they do that? And my contention would be they did it because it kept 
the view through the telescope. It kept the, the, the view of the phenomenon in the sky, miles away from interpersonal cases. It kept them away from contactee cases. It kept them away from non-human entities. It kept them away from orbs. You were talking about something that was in the sky. And it became, and so like all sorts of, of, of phenomena, all sorts of things within the phenomena were off the chart entirely, literally. They were not on the chart. And that actually like held for many, many years after that happened. And I think it was 1953. So, you know, that's 69 years ago or whatever it was that, that, or 59, you know, 59 years ago, whatever it was that, 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 you know, that somehow the Air Force and Battelle, like, like successfully got like a whole swath of ufology away from contactees, away from, from a, what would be interpersonal accounts and like and, they're and, it's like we're kids and so the parents turned on the ipad for them just to have them look in at something like yeah, yeah but i think i, what, mean, I think it's, it's a guess anyway correct, correct me if i'm wrong jay but if if you know we talk about the atip revelations of 2017 if it happened to be the orsap revelations of 2017 we probably wouldn't have seen that because the orsap studies were about individual cases you know we know that atip was military cases if ORSAP was the program that was revealed or potentially could have been revealed in 2017 with regards to individual cases with members of the public, that probably wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have uh, made an impact like it would with regards to the implications of military and national security infrastructures and cases regarding that kind of stuff. So is, is that kind of where you're coming from? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Vinny. Yeah. Well, it speaks to how, how truth is going to be mediated <laughs> to the world. Right. So yeah. what you know, we're all going to be listening and looking for those voices in our spheres of concern that we go. Yeah. OK, I, I, I believe that I trust that. But I think what, what's what I struggle with today is, you know, what are those voices? You know, very, there's very little trust in the in the public sphere in in pretty much anything. You know, so if we're going to be uh, if the government's going to sort of reveal some of these secrets, it's going to have to do so, in my opinion, through a sort of multidisciplinary, uh, multimodal voice sort of situation. It needs scientists, it needs uh, other academics, it needs military, it needs politicians, it needs all of these different people saying, yeah, yeah, there really is a thing here. Because if you just have a, you know, sort of the DOD say it, you know, you're going to have a lot of folks being like, I don't trust the Pentagon. You know, that's just a, that's a, well, yeah, that's a false flag. It's interesting because as I see like things like Avi Loeb, I just thought of this recently in Project Galileo. It takes me back, not that I was there, but this is all I've studied, but it takes me back to the Condon report um, and, you know, reading documents from 1959 about how they want to transfer the UFO program to out of, you know, SAFOI, the public relations aspect and out of the defense aspect and just look at it for scientific purposes. And they have to conduct this huge public education campaign first, because one of the downfalls will be the American public will think that the Air Force isn't on top of it, you know. So and then a few years later, they have the Condon Report, which is with all these academics and all these you know big shot people who studied this thing for over a year and then wind up saying, you know, there's nothing to it. Meanwhile, during that whole year, I'm sure they're, you know, imagine if we were back then, what would we be thinking about that? Wouldn't we be excited that, oh, man, the University of Colorado is studying this? 
Condon's mm-hmm. doing this. Wow, this is going to be great. There's, they're going to find this. They're going to find that. And we're going to know about it. It's going to be awesome. Then it comes and they're like, hey, listen, man. You ever hear about lightning? You know? Yeah. If anybody wants to know the um, the, the 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 project the, the the report that Jay was talking about, it's uh, Project Blue Books uh, Blue Books Special Report Number Fourteen. It right. was uh, made yeah. available in October nineteen fifty five, and it was a study yes. of about three thousand odd cases that were amassed up to that time. And you're right, you're right. The Battelle Institute were involved. It, it led to a kind of standard kind of reporting questionnaire kind of stuff. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. It, it's, it was made public then. Um, I've just noticed one of the um, uh, recommendations in the chat, Antarctica <laughs> and the secret space program from World War II to the current space race. If you pick that one, I'll, every time you come to me, I'll just laugh. That's all I'll do. I'll just laugh. <laughs> and that'll be my comment. Well, it's, we have to be fair. But on that, on that, um, uh, let's get, so Nathan messaged it and he put it in the chat. He's very uh, thorough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got Nathan. I got Vinny's beforehand because I thought he was. No, wait, wait, no, no. I've changed. Wait, are mine. you changing it? Well, yeah. Do you want me to keep it in there? Or you want me to take it out? I'm changing. So take it out. Take out what I suggested earlier. All right. Before he passes out, goddammit. it. Oh, <laughs> wait, 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 we're supposed to throw it in the YouTube chat rather than the no, no, chat? no. I'm going to ask you we're right now. Talk about but... it. Oh, okay. Um, uh-huh. All right. So, okay. Well, Vinny wants a redo. So, Vinny. You want me to give it to you now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with something that I think has been <clears throat> covered quite well in 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 the UFO world recently, but I think we need to do a deep dive on it. And it is in plain oh, sight. My see, somebody, somebody put that one in the chat, so it's it's on the list two times. I've read it, it twice. In there twice. If two people suggested it, I've yeah, read it twice. Think, I've right? spoken to Ross. I think it, gets it, boat, right? it needs a deep yeah. dive by it does. Quantum Witch UAP Book Club. I thought that too. Um, I, th- I, I think I suggested it last time. So, um, yeah, it's I guess to get him to do a live reading of a section with his voices. I'd, I'd be down for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nathan, you've got to do the voices, bro. <laughs> All right. <true. laughs> Jay, what is your suggestion? Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. Oh, sorry. I probably I told I think I I think I failed to tell you to bring a book. I'm so sorry. We can oh, that's okay. Um uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, what's it gonna be? I can only pick one, right? <laughs> hey, um, I can do Olaf and Sean and then we can come back to you while you think about it. Passport to the cosmos, John Mack. That's okay. Cool. I haven't read that. Good choice. Nice. Yeah, it's a real mind bender. It'll be good. Yep. All right. If I were to pick two, it would be Dimensions by Jacques Vallée because that's one of the next oh, ones. Choose know one. You've just thrown a no. spanner in the way. I know. I, know. Well, I wanted that one. I wanted that one the other day. I was thinking about that one. So I've got that one. <laughs> I will put that as mine because I want to read that one too. Because I've read me- some messengers other books. of deception. Oh yeah. Is that yeah, your yeah. book or good is that too. you? Sorry, mm. say it again. <laughs> Me- messengers of deception. 
Men in Black, Universal Pictures, 1998. Mike Drop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's I a mean, book I, form? I like how I long these books can be I kind of hope you the Antarctica one just because I want to see you. <laughs> no, no, please. I have to put it in. I have to put it in. <laughs> I will. I'll just laugh. He's like, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> um, and, you know what? I'm oh, sure uh... I got the dates wrong for all of that. I was just trying to make a joke. <clears throat> so what's your suggestion, Olaf? Or your uh, so uh, I pick Alien Agendas by Richard Dolan. I, I just finished. That'd be finished weird if G had to read that. <laughs> oh, I I actually, <laughs> I think what Sean's mentioning is that I'm actually a source in that book. Um, <laughs> I also, yeah, I, yeah, I helped out with that book. Yeah, um, but you understand that you've well, got to get Richard on the show when we yeah, that's my it role. In a like, time, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I tried to get people on, but I could not get anybody. Obviously, not John Keel. But he's um, squirrely, but I might be able to do it. Um, I think there's like so many of you that know people that we should definitely be able to get somebody on. <laughs> sure. All right, so I'm gonna read them. We got. I'm gonna go back. Draw mine as well. Did, did he? Did he get mine? Sorry. Oh wait, you get, did, did you give it to me before? Is it still? It's is called it still nuts and bolts part two. <laughs> right angle. Yep, I wrote it down earlier. Yeah, I know. Very nice. Mostly space says we should read some Martha Stewart. <laughs> UFO cooking show. Let's do it. <laughs> Great choice, Graham. Uh, okay. Great choice, Graham. Uh, Snoop Dogg wrote a good book, UFOs and O's. Graham, I'm sorry. Right. Graham, I think your bookshelf is gonna explode if you get. He's like shoving them in there. We haven't seen the ones that side, and we haven't seen the ones out of the top yet either. <laughs> All right, guys. So we got Alien Agendas by Richard Dolan and Laura. Yes, I have yours. I saw that she didn't know if I got it. Um, Messengers of Deception from Sean. Uh, I'll put Dimensions for myself. Because I've been wanting to read that one. Is that Jacques Pass Vallée? Yes, Jacques yep. Vallée. Sorry. Oh, um, Passport yes. to the Cosmos, John Mack. Yep. And I cut all the papers the same size this time, guys. I'm not just ripping pieces off. Uh, Wait, can I jump in? <laughs> I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick 300 UFO cases in. Oh my gosh! I thought you gave yours. We were talking. I'm so sorry. Right, Graham? We'll just have everybody read 300 different cases, and we'll come up with our own book. Yeah, yeah. we've all got time. We've got time for that. So if Sean gets picked, then uh, he's going to give us a homework list. <laughs> Did you give me your book? Yeah, Messages of Deception. Okay, that's it. When you said that, I was like, I thought I got your book. Don't confuse me. Come on. I'm trying to read things here. Passport to Magonia. Um, and that is uh, recommended by Deb, I think. Yeah, Deb. Study of UFO, UIP. Invisible College Shout by Jack Lee. Shout out, Shout out all the cabbies. We got the Antarctica the one that's already in there. Um, Earth so we got, so we got three playbooks in there. It's like it's like a crazy, it's one of those, it's like uh, watching the Emmys and you see like, <laughs> you know, four nominees from the same show. It's like, okay, I get it. Ted Lasso's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Alien Bedtime <laughs> Stories, revised by Grant Cameron. Contact Modalities, Keys to the Universe. That was a long title, so I didn't write the whole one out. But I will I will post it if that, that one gets picked. Yeah, hopefully we get the Men in Black one. We got a lot this time because people are like showing up. Does that mean we know. have to get the Man in Black to come on and talk about their book? 
No, wait, 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 wait. isn't it funny that no one's even realized at this point that the government has told us about Men in Black and we don't even pay attention? Well, that's, you know? that's a great point, you know. That is a really good point. When I spoke to David Clark... Aliens day, live in lockers. No, dude, dude listen. In the UK, <laughs> when I had my conversation, my interview with David Clark the other day, and we was talking about a Men in Black case, he actually tracked down one of the Men in Black in a case and was actually no. speaking... And I was actually speaking to one of the men in black, men in black of, of that case. He tracked them down and got into a conversation with them. Where is he from? Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But like, th this is the thing. They're not like these mystical beings. He was just some dude who was part of de defense intelligence or something. You know, this yeah. is the thing. It's yeah. like. These mystical beings that are men in black. Yeah, John just... Keel wrote about them. Uh, you know, Aren't they supposed to be just normal people? Like, yeah, is they're shorter, well, yeah. shorter of the like... Asian type. How far right, do you well, want guys, to we have a lot of suggestions. I did get them all. I'm going to start folding that way. I'm not reading them off forever, but I kind of want to see right. people's faces sometimes. Let's Incident at Devil's Den. Eve Clancy recommended that one. Oh. Vinny's contention that all MIBs are actually really real people makes me think that next month I'm going to have to propose penetration by Ingo Swan. Oh, dude, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. But but what I have to mean is these guys could all be from Yorkshire, UK. That changes everything. Hey, everybody bring a pic from Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Let's not go there. Right. That's why the UK is so weird about this stuff, maybe. Yeah. But dude, Yorkshire, man, is like force-fed crumpets. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law's from Yorkshire. <laughs> All right, guys. You're going to tell me when. Men in black tell ever. me when. Tell me when. Tell me when. When? All right, Vinny. Let's see what you picked. It's all on me now. It's all on me. <laughs> you know what? James Iandoli sent me a... Because I made a post saying, tell me what books you want um, to suggest... And then show. I got stubborn afterwards, but I already had James because he, he sent it to me. But that's what I picked. And it is Alien Agenda by Jim Mars. He says it's an older book, wow. but it's really good. Yep. So um, wow. you're so close. So close. Well, you're yeah, so close. Sorry, Graham. You'll have to read the Antarctica one. Again. Oh, isn't this going to be like a big <laughs> conspiracy book? Jim Mars. Is it? Jim uh, yeah. Mars is uh, pretty yeah. out there. Next. Can, can we do <laughs> Can we do one more? Can we do one more? Okay. Next. You can pick from two. Group. All right. Can we do? Yeah. Okay. Vote. I'm going to tell James that you got. I'm going to call you out. Yeah. James, Sorry, James. Worried. I'll, I'll read that one. Tom DeLong, actually. We could so always the, do like a rule. Like if you're not here, there. you don't get a thing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or if you're not in the yeah, chat. Kinda, yeah. All right. All right, Vinny, that was your fault anyways. Come on. Yeah. When? All right, great. Grab it, Priscilla. Grab it. That's my oh, connection. It was a great. It was a late connection. Oh, my finger just went right into go, this go, one. Go. Incident at Devil's Den. Ah. All right, Terry. Next. All right. Okay, so. Stop. <laughs> now. All right. Yeah, I think. So now what do we do? Start... We, we flip the coin. Is that what we do? <laughs> no, we we have have oh yeah, you're right. Because we can't like. All right. Right. Oh my gosh, I feel like we should do like an anonymous vote. We I don't know do how to vote. do this. We have to now going forward. Month, yeah, month let's do month. Okay. Do, we could we do have two like books going forward. You get to pick one. Right. <laughs> no, we have to have. Can you do like a YouTube poll? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah we can yeah. do that. Um, I can I do like a. To. I can do like an Instagram. Word, not Instagram. Out of my um, mouth is the one. Twitter poll. Twitter. No there we go. That, I'm like, yeah, that came out of the chat. No offense. 
Yeah, no Twitter offense poll. to the chat. You, can, but... you let it run through the rest of the weekend or something like that. That one was James. Yeah. Oh, so we'll run it through the weekend. I'll do. I'll put these both up, and I I try to keep these, but I think that I kind of want to make it like if you like fair if I make fair, a post, we have to read Alien Agenda. Like the thing is, the thing is, listen, and I'm going to throw this out there. We're the ones that have to do the reading and the talking and all the reading. That's true. No, I will. No, yes, yes. I, no offense to everyone in the chat. You guys have great, like, we, we love you, but. Uh-oh. The last two, like the previous one, the Jim Mars and the Terry Lovelace one. I, I, I struggle with, like, is sure. anybody. Does anybody else share this with me? Graham, I, yeah, well, the, the Jim Mars, the Jim Mars book, I might struggle with because um, I have read it. Um, the Terry Lovelace one, I've gone nowhere near, um, and I don't know anything enough about it to comment. But from what I've just done a quick Google search on, on it, I'm going okay. I'll struggle, but I'll go. I'll do it. Yeah, but I think we I'm need not, to. I might uh... not enjoy it, but you know that's just me. But you know, I might, I might need to read it. I don't know. I mean, like one of the, the one of the benefits of like having suggestions, though, is to make us read something. And we all have like precious time. Like I'm reading these books to the kids at nighttime so I could get them to <laughs> bedtime <laughs> story. Pastor no, but what I'm thinking is that and, <laughs> uh, no, I sound like a, I sound like an ass. No, you don't sound like that at all. No, I get it. Subscribe from his channel. Why don't we do the boat thing? I think that's the fair thing. And then moving forward. Listen to my thoughts, though, is like Ross Coulthard. I, I want Ross to talk to us. so bad. Jacques but... Vallée, Dimensions. Mm, I could get Jacques to join us for half an hour. I think you know. That's, I don't think so. You know, or do we go? <laughs> or, or do we go completely conspiratorial? But this is the thing. Do we go completely conspiratorial? Like, how? Where's the line? And I, I, I yeah, I sound like a go dick. I'm sorry, but... you don't sound like a dick. You don't sound like a dick. Mm -mm. Um... Where do we draw the line? Well, but I, I, I think that, okay, well, if you're not into oh, the conspiracy uh, stuff, it gives you a grounds to kind of say why you're not as well. Um, so I'm going to do the poll. Um, Olaf, I think you're about to back me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, kind of. I, I think uh, maybe we should like we should rethink like how how we do this. Maybe this isn't supposed to be in in the show, but more like in, in a behind the scenes kind of setting. But I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm sorry. I feel like may, maybe in going forward, because like if we have like a hundred books in, in yeah, the jar right. and just it, it's so random what we can i mean i'm out. open to so, i'm open to suggestions on how to do it better guys. truly is a trickster so. it's at work right now <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> it, it doesn't want us to have the real answer the mm. good answer but, but maybe <laughs> we could have like that that each show you you record like the uh, our picks on the panel and then we have a poll that everyone can. Oh, okay. And then we yep. can choose people that maybe can come onto the show. Like, it doesn't really matter, but it's fun to talk to the author. And, yeah, and we have for a chance sure. to, to, to spread more, like, to share, like, everything, like, and, and build something bigger. And, and it's easier if the person is alive, for example. Yeah. But, yeah. but, uh, it, I mean, maybe that shouldn't like. Uh, we what do you got against dead people, dude? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so, so maybe that doesn't have to be live. <laughs> yeah. Anti-dead folks. 
control. All right, well, we'll do the poll this time and then hang out afterwards. I'm open to like talking. A lot of you have been with me at the beginning, and I have to say, like, I did put a toast, a post on UFO Twitter asking for suggestions, and only one person (laughs) answered. So to me, um, and then I do think it's fair, you know, maybe I could limit it, but like, oh, we're only picking the first 10 from the chat, and they could just like type it fast. That way, we don't have like a thousand in here. Um, that way, because I really want the community to be involved as well, too. So, or we do what we did today. Sorry we to doing the poll. It. No, <laughs> no. It's you're jerk, you are fine. You're fine. I can't believe so it. What we'll do going <laughs> forward is I'll pick a number and be like, okay, first 10 from the chat gets a pick. And then people just have to learn how to type really fast. And then, um, but I like oh, Olaf's man. idea, too. But I don't think it, I don't want to be exclusive either. Um Especially since, you know, I want to start doing more like with everybody on Twitter, um, like weekly, just to talk about whatever book we end up picking. So, but I am open to suggestions to make this more like, you know, flow better and all that stuff. So we will do a poll of incident, incident at the devil's den and alien agenda and oh my gosh, an alien agenda by Jim Mars. So I'll do a poll and then um, if people want to read it. I don't it. care what we read. I just like you picking. It's exciting. Pick. pick again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do the poll for this one. We pick <laughs> right. What's Linda, next? Linda's got a good point there when she's, uh, Linda Thompson, when she says, I thought Boot Club was to expand your mind to areas that you wouldn't normally read. I mean, it's right. true. Uh, However, mm-hmm. if somebody in the in the chat did put Thanks, a book that was recognized to be universally panned, um, like the one that, uh, that, got, that somebody wrote about Roswell, about the nurse, and apparently it's just completely made up. Um, yeah, from what I, mean, I from what I hear, if I we end up picking something stowing. like that, then we might end up just everybody just universally panning it from from start to finish, and it wouldn't be much of a show. So I think we've mm-hmm. got to be careful we don't go down that kind of alley. Don't yeah, and it gets here. it gets kind of conceptual at times because people want to talk about um, we like you know things that are aspects of the phenomena you know that aren't actually related. That aren't if the book's not about the phenomena or about UFO UIP, but it is about something like telepath, you know, stuff. And I don't mind. I like mm. reading stuff like that. Like, guys, I'm a witch. I like all the weirdness. Um, but yeah, so I'll put those up in a poll. Thank for everybody's suggestions. Thank you if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on Anomalous Podcast Network. All of our guest information is in the description and if it's not i will get it on there but i'm sure it is and yes give us a like a thumbs up whatever feedback you can get if you're looking to support the channel other ways please visit the links below and everybody has them have a great night everybody hang out guys (laughs) (laughs) see you guys soon